Welcome, traveler. You have entered the realm of adventure. Prepare yourself for tales from beyond the dice. Beyond the Dice is a Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition actual play podcast set in a cyberpunk city called New Etika. I'm your Dungeon Master Luke and your players are... Ben, I play Cortain, the level 5 human fighter. Peter, are we actually playing characters tonight? You'll find out. Oh, I'm Travis. I play a little moss sometimes. Fuck, dude. With it, where's the energy? You had so much energy before and as soon as we start recording, you're like... I <sighs> am a man. My name is, is Travis. Sometimes. Are you a, wait, hold on, are you a Cylon? Because you're a pretty bad Cylon because we just figured it out. Man, if I was a Cylon, you wouldn't know until the critical moment where you're firing nukes on your own ship, and then you're like, what the hell happened? I've run out of nukes. I've been nuking all weekend. Yikes! Oh. Oh. Alright. <laughs> I don't know what that means to you guys, but... I don't know what that means to anyone. Yeah. I assume it's sexual. <laughs> is it? Really? I don't you know. assume that. Oh. Yeah. Okay. You know, you're... You, you want me to you want me to explain it to the people at home? Do like, you have nah, radioactive nah, seam? <laughs> no, I'm not like Spider-Man. Spider-Man doesn't have. Actually, I don't know that one. Yeah, he does. There's a sure. there's there's a comic episode where um, Mary Jane gets cancer and dies because of his radioactive seed. Uh, seed. His yeah, spider really. legs. Yep. It's uh. It's can, pretty. Can it's pretty. It's pretty grim, dark. Hey. Can he shoot it out of his hands as well? No. <laughs> oh, no I've, heard it's, uh, I've heard it's got the same consistency as the uh, the web. Really? Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. All right. Uh, so let's let's get to this episode. So, as all of um, our listeners know, season one has concluded. So we've decided to continue the podcast and not just finish up for a season. We are renewed. Um, yeah. But we got the, this, we got the funding. Yeah, we got we, fun- we got great funding right now. <laughs> we got that good um, Maxi Bond money. Um, actually, we're being, we're being sued. Actually, so. those mad Maxi Bond stacks, <laughs> Staxi Bonds. Um, oh, good. So, uh, yeah, we're not continuing with our storyline. We will be talking about uh, character creation, not so much in depth of the characters that we're playing. Uh, in the podcast because we don't want to give too much away we will talk about um, our inspirations and our processes in which we uh, I guess dive into while we're creating characters and uh, I will talk a little bit about what I do as a DM when uh, I ask my players to create characters for various games Um, and I am also a player in D&D um, so I can also talk about that as well. Ben runs D&D, um, so he may have some insight into what a DM should be looking for or encouraging when um, the players are creating characters. So I haven't written any sort of dot points or uh, anything like that down, but um, what I think what should we should Just... start with is um, everyone roll a d20, and whoever gets oh, the lowest what? begins... And I shall ask them a question. You didn't say it was going to be dice in this episode. Well, I thought the title Who rocks of up the to show... D&D without it? Oh, I'll just stretch over. Oh, oh shit, a five. Why am I always rolling I found my dice bag. <laughs> well, I don't ben, think I need to roll. Ben, why do you roll so poorly? I don't know. Maybe I just want to talk. Uh, Travis, <laughs> 18. Oof. Hold on. 
Not cheating. Cheating. Pick, pick the lowest. <laughs> you fool. The lowest. Yeah, it's disadvantage, motherfucker. Where's <laughs> <laughs> my d20? There it is. It rolled a seven. Seven. Actually, that's a, that's a one. Uh, Peter starts. Okay. <laughs> Peter. When um, when creating Spigs, what was your uh, your inspiration for his overall uh, aesthetics? Like what, the way that he looked in your head, the way that you describe him in the podcast, the way that you visualize him. What was um, what was that inspiration? What were you sort of uh, lending from? If you lent from things, or um, what did you like? What what did you picture? When and why did you picture that when you created Spigs? So my main aim, and I think is what every every single person should do as when they pick a character, is pick someone who's gonna really piss off the DM <laughs> so he never invites you back. <laughs> no, that doesn't that, that <laughs> that's happened, but it's not so much the character as the, the player. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh. I know Whoa! And no one on this podcast, okay? No one on this yeah, podcast. Yeah, and now the true story. About... Uh, I think I know what you're talking about. Is a certain goblin. There was a yeah, goblin adventure. A, a certain goblin adventure. Yes. Anyway, Peter, continue. <laughs> oh, well, do you want me to talk about perhaps my original character before Speaks? Oh, yeah, cool. Absolutely. Go ahead. So... After we've had, we have been playing D and D for what you reckon, like eight, ten years before we did Beyond the Dice or started Beyond the Dice. Yeah, ten, ten years before we started it, for sure. And after, after you know, mucking around with just random characters, it it came down to more what I wanted to play, what I felt comfortable playing, and what interests me in a character to play. And is that me- like mechanically, or are you talking about their overall style and um, flavor? That's a good question. That I think that's very dependent on the person. Like there'd be people out there who are just like, "Hey, I want to be, you know, just be like killing everything. I want to be the person that gets every single kill, maxes out damage, and and just smashes up, but has no the power no really to yeah, they don't, they don't really care about having a personality in the character that they play. They're just like, whatever, I'm just playing the game as the game. I'm not playing, I'm not, not you know, fueling my character and his backstory or anything. Yeah, I, I thought that you could hide behind game mechanic a lot more in 4th edition than you could in 5th. Yes. yes. So, like... It was always like, how many spaces can my character move during battle? I wish to load this move and it is go- I'm going to perform this kind of thing. It was very rigid. Whereas 5th edition kind of frees you up to role play if that's your preferred style. So like I didn't like 4th as much as 5th for that very reason. Yep. Yep. Cool. I, I, um, I sort of agree. 4th's cool in the way that it's kind of like a big ongoing board game that lasts forever and ever and ever until nobody can play anymore until fifth edition comes out. <laughs> um, but I, I much prefer the style of fifth edition that we have been playing both in Ben's game and 
in the game that I run where it's more like, yeah, there are battle rules and we, we, you know, we have fights and we have to follow those rules, but there is a lot of role play. You know, there'll be entire nights where, you know, um, we won't attack as such. We, it'll be a lot of sort of discussion between characters and talking to NPCs and, um, and then rolling like skill checks and stuff like that to, um, flavor up events that happen. Um, and, and describing what happens when we, instead of just going, I roll athletics. Oh, sick. I got a fucking 21. Oh yeah. You want to describe your role? What, what do you do with athletics that makes this scene progress or whatever? Um, but also like what helps to reflect the number that you roll on the dice. So if you roll a one, it's like, I went to Kung Fu, kick someone, but then my leg fell off. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> or your head gets blown off. Oh yeah, that's <laughs> true. You forgot you were, you had like that, um, prosthetic, like you were playing around with that and you uh, kicked with the wrong leg. Yeah. <laughs> you just flew off and hit them in the face instead. That, that, well, that would be a bubble one, I guess. But so, Luke, yeah. how do you how do you as the DM balance out when a character is refusing to flavor things for you, but you want to keep the story going? Um, sometimes, if people aren't flavoring, I I will. I tend to do it anyway. Like someone describes how they attack the creature, um, I like to describe how that creature reacts, um, or the you know the enemy how the enemy reacts or whatever. If they're not really role playing. Um, or describing their moves or whatnot. Um, or if they're just discussing the situation as players rather than the characters, I'll um, sometimes just be like, hey, fucking roleplay it. Say it as the character. Don't say it as you. Have this discussion in character. Go. Um, and that's okay to do. Like, telling your, telling your players to have that discussion in character can be... Um, a little, um, I guess, uh, rough for some people. They're not sure how they would have uh, a conversation as a woodland elf with a dragon-born paladin. Like, how, how do they do that? Um, but, you know, the more you do it, the better you get at it. And I think it really, be- like, the, the game will benefit from it when you do that. So, um, yeah, I, I would... Is that is that part of, like, when we were sort of putting the team together to do the podcast like is that what you envisaged out of like the people that you sort of approached to to do it like people that could role play or was it sort of part role play part character creation like what was your thinking behind that yeah my, my major thing was asking people to do this that um i knew were pretty comfortable in picking a character and sort of staying true to that character Right. Um, and then obviously advancing or changing, uh, growing, evolving as, you know, a person does uh, and playing that out in the story, uh, people that can do that and like playing with you guys for such a long time, you both you're playing in Ben's game and running D&D for you guys for such a long time I, and other people obviously as well, um, I, that was like a big factor for me. Uh, like um, Peter's previous character, not the character he currently plays in our normal campaign, but the character before that, Tori, uh, he changed. <laughs> he sort of changed over time. And there was a lot of Facebook messages that we sent back and forth. Um, and even little 
role play episodes away from everyone else um between sessions that uh sort of built his character and um saw his character evolve um so that's also like a cool thing that we've always done and i would suggest if you pay if the players are open to it and the dm's open to it even having little um messages and talking to the players about their characters between things if if it's necessary <clears throat> you know what, the secret behind why i started playing with tori so tori was like this character he was a little half elf half elf he was a half elf he was a little half elf like assassin and the original concept i want to do was to be better than our friend andy and his previous character that he made (laughs) (laughs) what that that was your underlying premise yeah yeah that was like you know what he all he did the previous campaign was sit there and just shoot an arrow and i'm like oh no no he was a thief and he was just like he's just stealing stuff and then you know so i'm like you know what i think i can play like a more interesting character and so i picked that I didn't realize your whole character was a massive middle finger to our friend. Um, yeah. If I knew that, if I knew that, wait, you didn't know that either, Luke. No, I, 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 um, like Peter pitched Tori to me and he would like, had this dark background and this, um, this sort of, not, not twisted, but, um, like he, yeah, he had this sort of. Oh, I can say he's probably had this. Tw- he had this twisted life and these um, these urges to to kill because he was brought up by like ruthless assassins and he was just sort of like a sixteen year old boy or whatever. Um, but I never knew that it was about um, shitting on Reed, which is Andy's old character. <laughs> that was the original concept, and then <laughs> and then like it birthed this amazing character. With so much like world creation, amazing to it. you. Well, no, no, Tori was really, really <laughs> awesome. It's just nobody got to see it because you're all f- fucking failed. You failed. So yeah, there was a magic sword that a big evil snake <laughs> thing was hissing at and wouldn't go near. Uh, and it w- the snake was fucking everyone up. This naga was just destroying everyone. And there were all these hints throughout the whole thing that this snake did not like this magic sword that was stuck in the stone. And it wasn't until one of the players died that somebody pulled free the sword and decided to use it, which was the Naga's weakness, of course. Um, Yeah, that was good fun. That was so funny and so sad at the same time. Yeah, poor Tori. So you, that was a massive, like, flip flip off of, of Reed. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah the ro- the rogue character yeah i made reed i he was the <laughs> i actually built the character oh yeah because went... andy was like wasn't sure what to, and, what to make because andy was too lazy <laughs> to make his own so i just did a cookie cutter cutter kind of half elf uh half halfling half elf halfling rogue because the the um the racial combined with the the class was considered favorable. You, like, yeah, you was... power gamed for Andy. Yeah, and it, that's that's exactly what he was. He just played this this single trope the entire time, which was although I like I like gold. Although yeah, okay, yeah, that's true. Golden women, but then by the end of it, <laughs> golden women. His 
his character became almost like the moral compass for you guys. The anti-moral compass. Well, that's because no, no, I no. had no moral compass by if the you, end. Of no, it. if you really think about it, Darius, which is Ben's old character, was very like, "Fuck you all, fuck magic. I'm gonna fucking destroy all the bad magic shit." And he was like, "It was awesome." Um, yeah, he was amazing. Okay, but he 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 went from like um like he was the he was like the one in the group that if he was if he said no, it was no. But Reed was the driving force of being like, look, we've got to try and save the world, basically. Um, yeah, and, and, he, and he put himself in there, became the, became the leader. Yeah, that's true. Basically. Um, anyway, uh, let's, let's go to Travis. Just, just on that. You, so, what do you do when, you, um, when just, you're creating sorry. characters? Sorry, before, P- Peter before wants to um, interrupt. Oh, I want to interrupt. All right, go interrupt. All right. So, but we're not saying that it's bad to just power game and not have like a cool like character, but like that's the choices you make whether you want to play D and D as a as a board game in a sense, or you want to make a really cool character. Like you choose what how you want to play it, and maybe not as interesting to everyone else because your character just does the same stuff. But and that's your jam. That's your jam. Yeah. Yeah. That that's true. I mean. But a lot of the time, like you could start off with a, a cookie cutter Max Min kind of character, um, and then find your voice and find your character after you've you know had your initial couple of battles and and things like that, like you know first couple of scenarios. Yep. Yeah, that's once, true. Once you get People, into the groove of D and D. Yeah, like yeah. that's what um, Darius was. Darius. The, the, his backstory was not really fleshed out. I just picked him because mechanically I quite liked him. Yeah. Right. And then built it around that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Also, like, for those new to RPGs and D&D, should we explain what a min-max character means? Uh, just the idea that you you load your stats so that you're very strong in certain areas um but because of the the way that when you build a character you you're given a finite number of points like you you can't be maxed in all areas so you have to make compromises in other places so you can either kind of go for a balanced build where you have equal distribution across a number of areas but you're not particularly strong in any one or you pick two or sometimes three depending on how you create your character where you are very highly um, proficient. Yeah. Yep. So, so how did you min max Reed, for example? Uh, look, he's a he's a rogue. So you max um, like dexterity, or was it agility in fourth edition? No, I it forget. was dex. It was dex. It was dexterity. Yep. yep. So dexterity, and I think then you know putting bonuses in things like stealth and sleight of hand or whatever. It, whatever it was, but just things that complement, you know, the character class. So if you're a barbarian, for example, you'd max out on strength. Yeah. Yeah. You're not too focused upon flavorsome choices. It's more just what will, what is the best thing for the kind of class and, and character that I am. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, uh, you might get a choice between doing like, Oh, here you get to do an extra D 12 damage and that's it. Or you can do this thing where when you hit, 
an enemy near an ally, you can move that ally a certain amount of squares or, or feet or whatever, and they get plus one to AC. And you're like, I don't give a fuck about my allies. I just want to kill pink, kill things as the barbarian. So I'm going to choose the D12 damage. Um, yeah. yeah. So, and um, yeah, you know, that's, that's sort of min maxing. Where, whereas there's a completely opposite way to go about building a character, which is you kind of go, all right, I'm going to have a guy that is extremely simple, but he has a heart of gold. You know, and it doesn't matter what class he is, but you know that his intelligence is going to be low when you're building your character, so you do low intel. Yeah. So that's just like the complete opposite way of, of looking at it. Yeah, you, you choose what type of character, whether it is like what you say, like a simpleton, and it doesn't matter. Yeah, he it, it drives, no matter about min-maxing, it drives how you build the character around the concept of what type of character you like to play. Like... Like, um, I was just going to say, like, example, if you're playing, if you're just playing D&D as a game, usually you wouldn't want, like, typically you wouldn't want to play, like, a bard, for example, or uh, a cleric. <laughs> just as a general rule. <laughs> you're like, you'd never play a bard. So Peter's like, hashtag fuck bards. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah pretty much. And clerics. Like, no one wants to be the healer. Every every oh, single time I've ever I don't mind fair. being a healer. No, yeah, all but you don't like. You're never gonna get the satisfaction of like, oh, I got that kill. If that's what you like, if you're gonna pick a cleric. Oh, speak yeah, for yourself, yeah, yeah. Pete. I get satisfaction out of helping people. I don't know about you. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, no, you're not as like if you if you're just like, hey, let's who got the most kills tonight. Oh, I'm the cleric. Uh, yeah, I yeah. You, the, you're not. You're not the D4 damage. You're not the hero. You're not like the the amazing warrior getting all the kills. Like you're not. You're not the the rock star of the party. Yeah, yeah. Unless you're yeah, a bard. But at the end so, of the day, you're but, probably the one that's going to last the longest. Yeah. to Survive. Yeah, um, but then doing those playing those characters, they might have the most. You could build them as having the most flavor and backstory and like character. And then you can still do it that way instead of, instead of but trying to min-max damage. But then you're bloody useless in a battle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, Trav. Um, oh, yeah. What was the question? So when, you, when you're creating characters, um, you can, you know, we can use Little Moss as an example or Bran or um, uh, Denim. Uh, what's what are the so what are the steps you take when I come to you and I say hey we're going to be playing this game do you want in and you're like yep and I'm like all right cool create a character and you know these are, this is the setting and the feel of the of the um the game that we're playing what what are the first few steps that you take in creating that character um honestly like I read a lot of sci-fi and a lot of fantasy and along the way certain certain characters whether they be major or minor like really stick in your in your head and i usually use that as like a touchstone of of inspiration so for example with denim uh he was a human gosh well i forget his class it he was, was that it, he was, it was a, that irrelevant a ranger a ranger but he dual wielded yeah he because was a he, weapon fighting ranger you know, and to flavor him, it was about, um, you know, he was a pirate, and but he was also an orphan that had been brought up on a pirate ship. But he was built around the character of Eamon Trask from... Um, Magician. 
Yeah, from the Magician trilogy. Um, that that kind of boss pirate that was ultimately out for himself, but kind of had a heart of gold as well to like to those that he really cared about. So that became, I suppose, the driving thing that brought Denim together. And it had to change significantly based on when we did some world building. Like it turned into a low magic universe. Um, there had to be a plausible explanation for me to be in, in the city at a given time. It means I couldn't, I couldn't have a certain level of prestige that I would have liked initially because I had to be sort of unknown. So I was kind of like a a raw version of what I thought Eamon Trask would have been like at a young age. Yeah. And then, well, I went off in a different direction completely. Um, But that that happened due to actually playing that character, right? Yeah, yeah, and he made choices and then had to live by the consequences of those actions. But that's how I kind of went about it initially. I think about either people in my life or or characters that, that I have an affinity with and that I'd like to explore the mindset of more and then use that to play around. That's my sandbox. Yep, awesome. And um, when, when you say when you say he changed, do you, do you say he changed out of denim into jeans? Or? <laughs> <laughs> he went jeans double denim. denim. He went double <laughs> denim. <laughs> denim jeans and denim jacket. Golly gosh. Um, what about you, Ben? What's what's your process when you're creating a character? Whether that that can be for you know as an an NPC character because you run D and D, or that can be focused towards you know a player character. You I, I guess choose. Yeah, um, a lot of the time I and and this is what I enjoy doing in my like in the D D campaign that you're in is running characters or creating characters that I can explore some kind of what's the word. Necessarily morale, like just a different a different way of perceiving the world. Um, yep. So like Darius was very much a, um, you know, every man is an island kind of, but also and but also like anti magic because it's kind of cheating, um, <laughs> kind of character. And that was that was really interesting. And like Cortain, no no spoilers of course, but Cortain is kind of that more more of that like that's anti hero. Like he's he's kind of Atler. I built a character that was like, if I try to, if, if my character's focus is so much on justice without necessarily mercy, like what kind of character would that create? Um, yeah, a, jer- a jerk. Yeah, well, I mean, that's what you'd say, but uh, I'd, say it's a, <laughs> I'd say it's a pretty just character, um, yeah. which is, you know, when you get into situations where he will just end up just executing uh, hostages because he thinks they're guilty. Um, which they were, obviously. Um, so you can say that your um, your character choices, you kind of did say it before, are based on how you would see particular parts of society or the world in a, in a, in a view that's different to your own. Yeah, like, I, ju- I just want to kind of see... If, if I put the emphasis on a particular, like, you know, justice and mercy, like if I instead put the emphasis really hard on justice, which is kind of where Cortain is, then how does that influence a character? For Darius, it was like the dual kind of like anti-magic, but also kind of the, 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 the consummate um, isolation woodsman, like, you know, that your own, you can only rely on yourself 
Um, yep. And also, he was a pretty boss, like uh, Warden, which was a, an awesome class from 4th edition. Yeah. Um, so, are you saying that you look at sort of different elements of the moral spectrum? Yeah, kind of. And then skew them, skew them one way or the other just to sort of see how that affects social interactions and moral choices. Yeah, so what I'm saying is basically when I play D&D, my, my friends are guinea pigs. Um, yeah. Well, <laughs> like, I, I, can, I can kind of see that um, now that you say it, it's something that I'd been thinking about playing in your campaigns when you give us choices that don't necessarily, um, like benefit well the choices we make don't necessarily benefit the um you know the the population of wherever we are uh, like just recently one of the characters basically said to a giant tree spirit like you can have this entire country uh if you help us defeat this great evil and the tree spirit was like yeah cool sure and my character upon finding some and, and besting some warriors of this evil army, it was like, look, you guys are just normal people forced into this situation. Um, if you leave this territory I and uh, don't come back and don't join the armies of the evil once again, I promise we won't um, kill the innocent and we'll, we'll, we'll do as much as we can to protect your people, the women and children and the old and infirmed that are behind the walls of your city. We won't kill them. Uh, next minute, the big tree spirit rolls in and starts basically shanking everyone with tree <laughs> branches. Uh, and it's you know there there's some their choices that we that choices we made sort of um, snowballed into this. Uh, you know, it's something that we might have said uh, no no tree spirit, you're not having the land, and uh, things would have turned out differently. Yeah, but it's um. Yeah, it's like those little things of, um, you know, what are we going to do with these refugees that are coming in and where are we going next? What are we going to do? Um, ben always seems to find some sort of ethical dilemma for us to figure out, which is really good and fun for um, for our characters and the, the way that we role play it. Because, you know, you've got the paladin who's really like down the line. No, we've got to do good. And then you've got other characters that are like, we have to save the world no matter what. And then they get into, um, not conflict, but they get into discussions about their two viewpoints. Yeah. And I mean, in that campaign, which will be, you know, foreign to, to Travis and Peter, one the main kind the way that it's, it's going now with the plot, the main decisions that the group is coming to is not a necessarily a good or evil one. It's more of a, like, how do we define the way that we want to live in a, do we want to, um, you know, open the world up to to the heavens and to the kind of celestial realms, or do we want to just isolate ourselves and let, and let, you know, all the mortal races just not be interfered with. Um, yeah. Like it, I'm, I, I try not necessarily like for the large um, stories, this is a bit off topic for character creation, but try not to just have like a, you do the, the obviously good or the obviously bad thing. Um, that's railroading as a DM. And I think that's where the real, like I think that's where the real enjoyment for D and D comes in, in terms of being a character rather than being a dungeon master, is feeling like you have a legitimate choice to make, and doing what you think your character would do, not doing what you know Travis would do. But as Little Moss, whether I like it or not, 
what would I do? Because <laughs> I've come, I've come up, I've come up against that decision many times as my character, and it very rarely ends well for me. But that's exactly the point. Like, I want to be given a real choice to make. I want it to have consequences, and I want to see how it plays out as a result. Yeah. Mm. And uh, another character. This is uh, kind of moving back to um, character creation. Uh, like the character I'm playing currently called uh, Shadow, basically, is his name. It's not really his name, like that's a lie. But that was kind of the purpose, is like, what, how would a character work? How could I play a character who basically lied all the time, like never told the truth? Um, if any of you guys have seen uh, Star... Just be yourself. Yeah, and, and this does come... <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> um, and this comes into what you were talking about earlier, Trav, that sometimes there are just characters from... Um, film and literature that I really like. And this latest character I'm playing is very much based upon um, Garrick from Star Trek Deep Space Nine, who is, like, whose idea is um, lying is just like any other art and you need to practice continually to get good at it. And why would you lie when, you know, why would you tell the truth when a lie could do? Um, Yeah, that's that's kind of how I've I've played that character and that's been very fun. Yeah, yeah, that was a... um... When you pitched me that, I was like, ooh, let's, this is going to be good. I can't wait until Andy starts going, hold on a second. You told me something different last time. Yeah, and that, that's that's very fun from a uh, player perspective is how myself, there's all the, you know, because I'm lying all the time, I need to kind of keep a consistent narrative. Um, yep. Yeah, that's been very fun. Yeah. So um, what's another thing that we do? Like... um taking on um, it, like characters that inspire us or people that inspire us from different medias like books and movies and TV shows. I definitely do it as well. Um, I think when I create characters, um, this is player characters, I tend to like look at the... It depends on like what the DM sets for me as the setting and the theme and all that sort of thing. Right. So when I created my first character with Ben, Ben's current campaign, he's, um, there was only a certain amount of magic characters that could be, or magic classes that could be selected because of being such a low magic setting. And so I went with the Ranger and we went with a, uh, a basically a non-magical one. And I, thought of this character that was basically a dragonborn but not so much as people generally think of them the big bulky dragon-like creatures my thought of this um dragonborn ranger was that of um or being very similar to a lizard man so more slender and tall rather than thick and bulky um uh, you know, he has a tail because he's from the swamps. So he's kind of like a lizard crocodile version of what a dragonborn would be. Um, and then the swamps um, sort of, I, I, I was thinking of, um, you know, what sort of civilizations, civilizations would be in the swamp. So, you know, we talked to Ben and we sort of came to uh, a common ground that the, the swamps could be like, an Aztec sort of civilization. And the dragonborn that lived there were either remnants of that civilization or just creatures that moved in and started living amongst ruins and mangrove trees and all this sort of stuff. Um, 
And so my, my, I guess the way that I first create characters is I visualize them. So, you know, I had chosen that he's going to be, the character's going to be like a dragonborn that's more lizard-like. So I just pictured this really tall, slender, um, sort of lizard man dude. And I, I absolutely love the dinosaur from Jurassic Park that has the frill neck, the, I think it's the diaphalodon or something. Um, but that was the first image that came into my head when I went slender dragonborn swamp was this frilled necked dragonborn. And so there was this tall frilled neck dragonborn that had a spear because they were tribal people, loincloth. And then I started to build the flavor around him that he, um, his people have bones all over their um, clothes and that they move in so stealthily and attack other tribes, um, so much so that the bones don't rattle when they're sneaking in. That's how good they are at attacking from the darkness. Um, so then- would, would you say that that's more of a, a collaborative approach, like with your DM when you're world building as to and allow that to dictate choices that are made as yeah. you build? Yeah. yeah, Ben gave me heaps of space um, to create the character. Uh, but we, my, my thing as a player, and I guess that probably comes from being a DM is like, all right, Ben, I'm playing in your world. Um, you know, this is the story that you're presenting us and you, we're going to make choices in and, and, you know, things are going to happen. What, uh, what are some, uh, I guess, like what in your vision of your world, um, exists, you know, I am from the swamps. So what? is in the swamps um or for example my current character that i'm playing now is a an elf warlock from a japanese slash chinese based um empire and when i was creating him i i bombarded ben with so many questions like what's what is the government system like how you know the emperor, when he's, does he, is he chosen to be an emperor? Is he born to it? Has he always been there? Is he seen as a god? Like all of these things, I just bam, 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 ask questions. And it was probably really annoying for him to answer on on Facebook Messenger because I would send like 12 in a row and he would have to answer them in some sort of fashion that would make sense to me. But, um, there's, but I- there's some to and fro there because your questions help the DM to clarify what his like what he populates his own world with. Like I bet before you asked a question like that, he had not considered what the swamps were like. Oh yeah. Be- yeah. Because it, it, it wasn't relevant to the, you know, the meta of what's happening in Ben's D and D universe. But in the process of asking those questions, it's like, there's a bit of creativity from the DM as well to kind of go, yeah, what, what does a, a consistent swamp ecosystem look like in my universe? Yeah. Yeah, you're certainly right, Trap. Um, and that, that is that is what happened. Um, the character was, you know, Luke was making the character when the world was in its infancy. And so at that point, it was quite easy to then be like, okay, cool. Like, I'll, I'll put... <laughs> to make things up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, to fit it in and, and have a consistent world. Yeah. Sorry, Luke, you were saying? I interrupted. Um, I know. I think it was just like uh, creating a character. I like to find out the rules. Because right. I, I don't want to be going into, like, I don't want to rock up to D&D and Ben trusts me enough to create a character. But if I rock up and he's like, all right, you guys are all 
um, bodyguards of a prince in this land. And I come and I'm like, you know, every, it's um, medieval based sort of fantasy, Tolkien-esque story, Tolkien-esque fantasy. And I'm like, all right, cool. I have two handguns and a fucking laser beam uh, helmet. You know, I can, I've got guns and I can shoot laser beams. You know, it, it doesn't fit the story. Um, and I like to make sure that I don't um, shock, not so much surprise, but I don't like, I don't want to shock anyone at the table when I bring a character. Um, it's... You, should, you should do up your fly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I should tuck it back in. Sorry, guys, hold on. And, <laughs> and, and sometimes, sometimes there is more of a... Um, like the DM will be more of a block or I mean, not, not saying you, they can't play that character, but ask them to potentially rethink it. Cause sometimes car- um, players do come with the character with such a, uh, a grandiose sense of story. That's like, why, why, you know, we're starting at level one. Why, why have you got, you know, a whole, a whole epic backstory that is, you know, I've been doing all this stuff for 20 years and I'm the you know, exiled prince of so-and-so and, uh, and I'm a level one. Exactly. And yeah. I've slayed thirty-seven dragons. Yeah, basically. Um, that's why. One. That's why I said I had to revise the the denim character because you know the the end goal was to become a you know the, like this sort of epic pirate. But what does that look like in its infancy? Because you know we're of the criminal underclass in you know a big city. Uh, we're living in poverty essentially, and the the two don't meld, you know. You, you're not going to be a famous pirate and be sitting around in the slums waiting for 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 some low mercenary level work. So how how do you make that work? It has to be in consultation with the DM. Mm. And because I'll I'll come up with ridiculous stuff. Like Luke has had to rein me in so <laughs> many times and just be like, nope, nope. Nope, nope, <laughs> nope. And that's fine because I'm often trying to shove like a square peg in a round hole. Yeah. Um, but because I'm so committed to a particular like stupid idea. <laughs> um, yeah. But he's, oh. more gra- he's more gracious than that. He doesn't say no. He just sort of molds it into something that could work within the, the scenario that he's trying to create. I always think about um, Denim's pets that fucking just died or he forgot <laughs> along the way. <laughs> <laughs> that's because I, I had like I had more than one pet i had a lynx <laughs> wait, wait first remember he had the dog yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Do- just forget about it and then he, he got it, crushed yeah and then he took it into battle for the first time got crushed by a bugbear got murdered by a bugbear that was really funny <laughs> it was so sad i felt so sad doing that as a dm <laughs> you're a, you're a dog killer no. Um, I think another thing that I like to do as a DM when my um my players are creating characters is a system that I call like the drawback system or the floor system. So fifth edition has their own things where they've got, hey, these are three bonds that I will never steal a juice box from a child. I will never sell um, this family heirloom and I will always help the innocent. Like those bonds that you create. And then you might have flaws like, I, my character is always illiterate. Oh, that was yeah, the my, worst decision I've ever made. My, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Also, yeah. The, um, you know, there are the the ones that you can get from the um the the player's handbook, and you can go with that system. But I like to push it a little more because I feel like it creates more flavor and more of an environment to create a character that feels real. Um, so what I do is 
I tell everyone to go to this this um, web page, and if you just Google Connor's campaigns, C O N O R S C A M P A I G N S, it's um, it looks like it's been like a DM who's put together all of this stuff for all different types of games, and he's got this thing called the drawbacks, and they work for almost any RPG system. Um, and it's a massive list of flaws that you can introduce to your character. There are minor and there are major. And so what I say to my characters is choose a maximum of three majors and a, a minimum of one or two minors. Um, and if you choose majors, you get rewarded with a feat. And if you choose minors, you get um, rewarded with a proficiency of some sort. So, for example, if you decide that you're going to take um, the minor drawback of bleeder, uh, which means you you bleed easier uh, than others, uh, maybe your blood doesn't clot properly or whatnot, you choose it as a minor, um, you are... Uh, vulnerable to slashing damage but you get to choose a proficiency so i might say to that character you know think of what your character might be good at um or might have like so that you know that might have occurred in their past that will give them an extra proficiency so they might go all right um lock picking you know i wasn't always the best thief um like cutthroat thief but i was always good at picking locks so they choose the proficiency in uh, sleight of hand or something and if they choose a major, they choose a, um, a a feat. So, for example, if they choose the major blind uh, or one-eyed, uh, you know, they might have, um, you know, disadvantage on perception checks and all that sort of thing. And, you know, um, it can be pretty hard for the character to deal with in the game and it'll come up in the story that they've got one eye or they're partially blind uh but they get a feat which will sort of offset that because then they might choose something that um that will boost their character and create some more flavor for their class um but if you do it too much you can have a character that is literally a glass cannon you know they'll be able to do all this cool shit but if they are hit once they might die um, I've I found that hugely helpful um, as a player to have the feats and flaws system. One because it changes your stats as a character. Like the the feats and flaws will be like you know, let's say for example you're um, one eyed. Um, you know your passive perception is minus ten or something like that. Um, because it's one thing to flavor that by kind of being like, oh, my glass eye is always popping out. And it's another <laughs> thing to actually be punished f- in a mechanical way during the game. Like it's like make a passive perception check. You have to do your roll and then you have to minus 10 from it. So it can make a big difference both mechanically and from a character point of view. Yeah. Um, like, you know, a lot of... D D groups are murder hobos. You know these <laughs> these groups. Whoa, are... whoa! I find that offensive. Do you? I am, it's like I am not a hobo. They're not murder hobos, but they're hobos who end up like murdering people. Is that what you're talking about, Luke? Yeah, yeah. yeah that's like the typical D D trope that is like 
most D&D groups are a bunch of people that don't have a home that carry everything on their back and they go around and just fucking kill everyone. Whether it's in a tavern or a dungeon or a castle, they just kill everyone. Um, Spigs has a home. <laughs> yeah, I'm not talking about our group. Our group's a little bit different. But I mean, yeah. like most D&D groups. And, you know, there's yeah. always that person that's going like, I'm going to create a crazy character. My character is going to be literally mad. He's going to be a mad dude. He's going to be crazy, wild. Um, you know, you can they can say that and they can just basically... In a normal day, game of D&D, they just choose whatever they fucking want to do one minute and do something completely opposite the next and try and yeah. get all the lols. Ca- chaotic anything, and it's like, I just get to do what I want when I want. Yeah, yeah. So, what you know, if, if, a, if a player said that to me, I'd get, all right, I would like you to look at the drawbacks and have a look at mad um, slash unstable. Um, so, for an example, the effects of that is this is ongoing for their character until they decide their madness or instability has gone away for some reason. They roll a random floor from the um, indefinite madness table in the uh, Dungeon Master's Guide, page 260. Um, they can try to resist the urge of the uh, affliction. They can make wisdom saving throws to do so. Um, but they usually have disadvantage if they are, if they're, you know, saying that they're extra crazy or whatever. This sort of gives it, um, some more flavor. So that instead of just going, I'm going to grab this chair and smash it over this child's head. And then I'm going to go and stab the barmaid and steal all the beer. Um, there is a little, little more to the, to the mechanics and the flavor of what is going on with that character. Instead of them just rolling up this weird just i'll do whatever i want character there are some things that um they have to abide by it's like example like why this character keeps taking drugs yeah yep what's happening in his background of his story yeah or does he just wants to take we drugs? all just thought yeah. you want to take drugs peter none of us thought tori had any deeper backstory <laughs> and uh yeah i wrote a tome for tori <laughs> Yeah, so feel even worse. And than he just was died. put under one, six feet under. <laughs> that's true. Um, yeah, so that's one thing I like to do. Another thing I really suggest everyone to do is when they're creating characters, go on Pinterest. If you haven't heard of it, it's a cool site where people upload heaps of pictures and images and make like mood boards and stuff like that. Um, I do it as a DM. I've done it for the podcast. I've done it for my normal D&D games, even for my own haircuts and stuff. Um, and I suggest searching up. If you create a character and you want to go for uh, Orc, Bard, or Dragonborn. No one chooses Bard. Say that no, no, no one likes Bard. Hey, Griff was a Bard. <laughs> Has he been back? <laughs> 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 that's because of you guys no I'm kidding um, <laughs> I don't want to play with them no more <laughs> I don't want to play with them no more um, no or you know if you're choosing like oh I want to be a, a kobold paladin I suggest going on to Pinterest and searching up the combination of those classes uh, and races and that sort of thing and, and checking out the images that come up because it can really inspire you to go oh this little um, kobold paladin has like he's, he's all of his armor is not like a shining paladin armor like everyone would expect it's made out of all pots and pans and, and stuff because of course he's a kobold and he has like a rat on his shoulder um is that his god and then you might change your character to be this kobold that believes this this giant rat that they've that follows them around is actually their god or something um we can create a whole new 
perception you have on your your first choice. So I always suggest to have a look on Pinterest and uh, uh, find uh, images uh, that you like and and send them to me, so I have an idea of what flavor and aesthetic you're going for for your character. Yeah, it also helps to concretize what is otherwise an abstract concept. Yeah, it's kind of. It's like when nerds get together and discuss a fantasy novel. Um, you know, they've got two opposing images in their head of what a particular character looks like. Um, and, you know, if you got them both to draw them, they'd be completely different. And I think that's kind of what takes it out of the realm of um, the hypothetical and, and makes it something a bit more real. I think so when, when you came up with the name as well for Little Moss, were you like Little John? Anyone? No, that's that's one thing that I uh, pushed back on actually with Trav's character, because his fir- his first pitch to me was like his basically his pitch was like I want to play an orc like or a half orc that um like this huge huge character that like punches people so a monk or whatever, um, and then he sent a picture of. Dwayne the Rock Johnson, um, that famous picture of him in the acid wash jeans and the turtleneck with the chain and the bum bag. He sent that to me and said, this, but orc, right? And I was like, I'm sold 100, 100% perfect. Love it. Amazing. And then he go, and then we were talking about stuff and he said he wants to name him tiny. And now that's, that is always a trope that's done with big dudes. And Luke hated it. I was like, I was like, look, I get the trope. I know we're going for like this 80s feel and that's a big thing. Oh, there's Tiny. And he's like, oh, he must be a small guy. No, he's not. He's a big dude. Um, and I was like, all right, let's 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 create something a little more unique. And we were talking about, he, you know, little, we were talking about Tiny's background and his, and his backstory and the things that might happen. And he's a monk so he's trained in martial arts and all that sort of thing and you know after some conversation we won't, which we won't get into now because it might sort of ruin things for the story but um you know little moss the name came up um and, and you, you try to get rid of the little no no happens. no i think that was like the way that it made sense and the way that it does make sense in his background is absolutely perfect it's um and it works well because Little Moss in the story, as we found out, um, he's only 16. Like, he's a kid. So, you know, is that where the little part comes from or is the little we thing all know where somewhere the little part else? Comes from. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for something to Ben's self esteem. No one wants to jump on that. Line, hook, and sinker. Um. And yeah, so like that's something that I sort of pushed back on, but not in a way of like, it's shit, change it. it. I was like, look, it's an overdone trope. I like the idea. I want to see where we can take this because I think we can find something a little more unique and better than just simply tiny. And when we came, well, when, when Trav came with, came out with, uh, when Trav came out with Little Moss, the name Little Moss, I was like, dude, that is so good. Like... It's just, it's odd, it's uh, and it's unique, and um, it it also yeah. sparked some creativity as well. Like once the name came out, like all of the associated puns and um, you know catchphrases and things like that just flowed naturally. So yeah, it it kind of it helped. Like the little, um, little Moss has a catchphrase. Hi, I'm Little Moss, but you can call me Moss, and everyone's yeah. like, Hey, Little Moss. 
Yeah. Like that, that came out of just that name. But if it was tiny, like you, you wouldn't have had that joke. There, there could have been some other thing, some other jokes and puns that could have come out of it. But, um, you know, that thing is just, it's just great. Um, yeah. What else? Was anybody want to talk about something to do with, you know, creating their characters on the podcast, like what their inspirations were or, um, or what choices they made along the way for their characters. Um, cause that's another important one as well. It's the choices that you make. I think part of the fun for the, for the listener is in trying to pick what's wrong with us. You know what I mean? Like social disorder wise. Well, just as in like why? Like there's obviously some kind of cohesive narrative going on in the mind of the player, uh, but you've kind of got to pick it. It's like (laughs) why does Moss keep making the choices that he makes? And I, you know, like I have a friend at uh, my previous workplace that was uh, a listener and stuff and he would debate with me about like what the choices <laughs> that I'd made or, or like, why did you do that you're an idiot and I'm like ah, oh, you know a gentleman never tells so I'm like I don't want to I don't want to peel back the veil too much and show you what's <laughs> lurking beneath yeah because um, the drunk monkey the typewriter is that Essentially, <laughs> it's it's not a thousand monkeys at a thousand typewriters. It's just one drunk monkey trying to type, and he's not he's not even in the keyboard. <laughs> oh, good. Um, yeah, I think, like you know, talking about creating a character um, in the clinical sense, going through the handbook and reading it out. That's just like. Anybody can do that. I think it's really important to um, to talk about the flavor behind it. Um, so I guess like my advice for creating a character from a from a DM's point of view is always um, find something familiar. You know, um, for example, if you're going to play a modern setting and you you're like, all right, I want to choose a scientist that knows everything about chemistry and stuff like that. If you know everything or most of everything or a lot of things about chemistry, that's great because you can you can pull from that space and you can role play in a more effective way rather than being like, um, if I pour lemonade into Coca-Cola, it tastes bad. You know, that's like, um, that's, that's the, the, the level of chemistry that I understand. Um, so I, I don't think I could role play a, a, you know, a chemist sort of character um, very well in the sense of, um, you know, spitting out knowledge and information that pertains to that character's profession. Um, so I would say pick something familiar to you. Um, if it's a fantasy setting, um, try and turn the, the, the perception of that race or class on its head a little bit. So if you choose an elf, maybe, Try something different it's than like, it's like. Don't be distant and aloof. Yeah, or and don't be like the forest is where I must reside. Nobody touch a leaf. You know, um, try something a little different. Why? Uh, why all the same for Andy's like, characters? This, <laughs> this this recording. <laughs> That's what Andy does for every. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, like, um, have a look at The Witcher, right? The elves in um, in The Witcher, they're not typical elves. Um, 
they're like the way that they've done elves is pretty cool um so yeah have a have a look at that or you know choose choose a way to take your class and race and bend it so it's a little unique from what is usually played because then that way when you do meet an elf that is a a tree hugging elf and you're completely different you're like a contrast to it there will be some some uh, dialogue and some and some uh, flavor between that elf npc and your character um do also like um look at the drawbacks connor's campaigns google that have a look at that and talk to your dm about including that in your um in your character to give him more flavor and um and have fun yeah i would say um go I, go hard or go home i think i think that's exactly it like i have played a serious character and at times it can be like almost burdensome like I don't like being evil all the time. Um, <laughs> so what you were evil the whole time, and you were bagging us out the whole time. Um, so playing something that's a bit light and easy, like a like a little moss, like I, I really have fun doing that. Like I don't have to second guess myself. I don't have to do something that's entirely contrary to my own nature. I just get to 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 roll out little moss and have fun. And run out of a hospital stealing cereal. Mm. Yeah. So don't cry, don't try to go too grim dark because after a while it'll get a bit sour. Is that what you're saying? Uh, absolutely. Like I think that it it saps your own fun. Really. Like there needs to be a you like. It's almost counter. Like think about what it is to be a human being. Like yeah. you're not just all evil all the time. Like there are, there's good and bad in everybody. Yeah, you, um, and you you know you might be you might be a cannibal, but you also like to cuddle puppies. Yeah, before you eat them. Um, you know, but you're not a puppy. You're not a cannibal if you eat puppies. Well, you can still be a well, cannibal if you, if you eat puppies. If you eat puppies, like it's not exclusive. Are you saying are you guys saying cannibals or accountable? Cannibals. Cannibals. Like people okay. that eat humans. Anyway, um, <laughs> what if you were a dog that ate puppies? Then you'd be a cannibal. What if you're a where? What if you're a werewolf that eats wolves? What's that? Um, so we're, a werewolf is also cannibals because they eat humans. Okay, let's. Oh wait, wait. Let's, right. That's for anyway, another anyway. podcast. Okay? Um, but as in, like, don't don't be too singularly faceted. Like, don't just be I'm the evil guy because then there's yep. there's nothing to it. Like you're just all evil all the time. It's not fun for you. Every decision you make is going to be predictable. Yeah. Um, so, so like, so basically, to... don't. As much as we fucking love him, and as much as I love him, don't make fantasy Batman. Right. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, pretty much. Like, there, there just needs to be some conflict, like within yourself, because that's that's what it is to be human, and yeah. so that's what creates believable characters. What about a piece of advice from you, Peter? Piece of advice. I think start with something that you want to play that seems fun, interesting, and then let the creativity build around that central idea. Yeah, that's very good. Yep. And Ben, what do you reckon? What's your little advice for uh, players creating characters? Uh, 
I think it it really depends. Uh, play something that will interest you, and whether that's uh, the whether that's like an actual background and that's the personality that really interests you, then that's that's great. If you really just like the idea of the mechanics, then you know that's fine too. You you don't need to come to a character knowing everything about their backstory, how they respond to every situation. Like you can just play a character and then just let it develop throughout the campaign. Um, yeah, that's um. That's also like a really good thing to do for like for a DM, right? You have a backstory, you you have um you have stuff that your party knows or you might tell your party. Then you have some stuff that is um a secret from your party that only your character and their DM knows. And then it's always good to choose a secret that you as a player don't know and gives uh, the DM some room to move and add your uh, backstory in with this little secret. Yeah, and if you pl- if you end up thinking that, you know, I'm, I'm going to play this character, and you spend so much time making it, or, you know, it's what the rest of the party wants, say, especially when you're trying to pick um, roles um, and classes to, you know, flesh it out and not just have, you know, um, no tank or whatever, then you want to kind of tailor your 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 group that way. Um, you need to you need to play pick something that you want to play because if you don't want to play it, you don't want to be at D and D, and if you don't want to be at D and D, everyone is going to know that you don't want to be there. Um, yeah, yeah, you can see it in the just the way they sit, the way yeah, um, the, the way that they participate, the way that they pay attention, yeah, the number of times they get their phone out, um, yeah, like it's it's clear if you don't want if you don't want to be at D and D, you don't like the character you're playing, like why why are you playing? Yeah, and and uh, you know what? If you're if you're like um, a couple months into a game and you're like this character, like I don't feel like they're really going anywhere. Talk to your DM and say, look, I think it's time for this character to move on. If you've got a rogue who is stealing a whole bunch of stuff and the rest of the party are lawful and there's no real reason for this rogue to stay with them and they, you know, there's conflicts between the rogue and the ro- the rogue and the rest of the group. Then um, talk to the DM and be like, "Yeah, it's time for the rogue to to move on." And you can, you know, feel free to bring another lynching. character if it makes sense in the story. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's like it's okay to tap out. I mean, I've I've never done it. I've I've persisted with characters to the bitter end, but um, <laughs> um, yeah, like I think that's really important. Like have that ongoing conversation with your DM. Yeah, and and characters don't have to die for you to get you know, to, to try out a new character, you can simply say, yeah, my character goes off and does this other thing, or they're leaving the party for these reasons, and then you just start a new character, and you have a whole new set of fun parameters to test out. When, when your character does die, you should have a fireplace <laughs> and throw that piece of paper in the fire. Oh, yeah, that was a good little ritual we used to do, hey? Very dramatic, <laughs> yeah. very dramatic. Yeah. I mean, I, I never got to partake in the ritual because I, I survived until the end of that campaign. It's um, <laughs> just because you had a fucking cloak that made you turn into ravens anytime you got hit by something. I'm not going to lie, that was <laughs> handy. Because <laughs> you were basically a craven. Mm, Thank you. Good one. More like a. I was uh, stark uh, mad. A ki- more like a coward. Oh. Uh, anyway, um, I think I think that's where we should probably sign it off, unless somebody else has something else to say. No, uh, not really. Uh, be All good right. to yourself and to each other. 
Cool. What I what I would say is um to to sort of sign this one out if um if you want more, some more information or you want um to talk to any of us mainly me because a lot of the other guys don't have a big online social <laughs> presence um feel free to get in touch with uh, beyond the dice on our facebook or instagram uh and or even you know you can ask questions in our discord as well and um i will be happy to chat with you about character creation or um workshop with you because it's something that i love to do with all my players is workshop the character or even get them to um fill out a questionnaire um as well to sort of get their their characters choices or or what they think their characters choices would be before we begin the game um i can send that to you as well if you're a dm um and i think that we should all uh have a good evening or a good day wherever you are enjoy yourself um you know what when you're um when you're listening to this roll up a new character and get it ready for your next game how about that Thanks for listening, thanks for downloading, thanks for playing with my bicycle, bicycle. Uh, Thanks for creating characters with us today on this episode, and um, hopefully you can roll up a um, a character that's a little different to what people might expect. and in the notes of on the show notes I should say I'll, I'll put some links to some various tools and um, pages and stuff that we might use when creating characters yeah yeah and I assume you can find all those delicious links at our website is that right Luke yes some of them will be in a document that is on our website excellent so that website is www.beyondthedice.com you know go there if you have any questions about uh character creation they might be in the links provided or just on page if you question ah whoa 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 mate Travis Travis calm down mate calm down I'm just going to interrupt you there Peter (laughs) 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 what questionnaire more like questionable bear um, what if you would like to play maybe a bear that is curious about life and everything maybe luke will <laughs> upload some cool random pictures on our instagram i don't know what's happening are you okay peter do i need to, do I need to come into i think he just ma- i think he just made a character i think he just made a character called the questionable bear <laughs> he's just he's just questioning life he just wants to know things he woke up and he's like why, why do they live in houses <laughs> Why do I have to go in the woods? Why is there shit stuck in my ass? <laughs> and where, where's that in Peter? At Beyond the Dice. <laughs> oh my goodness. Alright, um, if you like the antiquated social media platform of Facebook, you can go to facebook.com forward slash btdpod. Hell yeah. Um, we don't we do not pay Travis enough money for his emotions <laughs> to bleed through into the podcast. You don't. No, especially Unless the making intro, fun of someone. Especially the intro and outro. Um <laughs> but you know, you should definitely follow my new Facebook profile question <laughs> bear. Did you just sounds more like that sounds, sounds <laughs> more like a Twitter account. Well that should be. Yeah. At questionable bear. 
That's good. All right. That's so that's, good. Um, that's amazing. I really hope you have a, a page up called that by the yeah, time please, this comes out. Drop. You've got a couple of weeks. <laughs> Thanks. And now if you have some time after looking at some questionable bears and some um, articles and or uh, I should say documents and websites and stuff that I'll post up later, then please jump over to whatever podcast medium you use to listen to this show and review us, you know, whether it's a Podbean or iTunes. That's the big one, please. If you have iTunes, do it, please, 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 please. Uh, or Stitcher, you know, if you listen there, feel free to v- review us there. It'd be absolutely awesome because the more reviews we get, we might be bumped up on some lists and then more people will listen because, um, you know, that's easier to find us. Uh, so if you have the time, please do it and have yourself a good time. Good night.